Well, I'm Chris. I am the uh, associate pastor here. I get the privilege to serve here. And let this be, uh, hopefully not the first reminder for you, but guys, it is officially Christmas season. All right? We are excited. How many of you have your tree up? Anybody have their tree up already? We would have, except we got back a little later than I thought we would. Uh, Christmas sweater, I see one Christmas sweater there. Uh, Looking good. Seasoned greetings, tacos, classy. I like it. I am wearing a borrowed uh, Christmas sweater from someone who is Lainey Bliss. Uh, And Christmas cheer can even make its way to the dark side, all right? Uh, we don't need that Christmas spirit because we got that Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love Christmas. I love it. Well, uh, as we lit the prophet's candle, the candle of hope, this is a beautiful um, Christmas, uh, Christmas calendar as we look at the church calendar. Uh, traditionally, churches pause for the season of, of Advent, um, and that's what we get to do during this, during this time. We've been working our way through Romans 12, uh, which has been so fun. Uh, Romans 12 has been so rich, uh, which really deals with the how. How do we live in light of Jesus coming and his eventual return? We've been dealing with the how. We're pausing to talk about the what, this beautiful picture of Jesus coming and his people waiting for him to come. And in many ways, us waiting for the Lord inside of our lives. I just want to uh, let you know, for those of you who are like, hey, um, we've been reading each week in Romans 12. Uh, we've been talking about heaping burning coals on someone's head, someone's head. And you said I would know what that meant. You told me I would learn how to light the coals how to throw the coal at someone else without it burning my hand. Um, no, I, I promise you we're going to get to those sections of Scripture after the first of the year here. So um, we will get back to that. This morning, the candle of hope, the prophet's candle. This morning, we enter into the longings of the prophets for a Messiah They were waiting for him, the prophets for thousands of years, God's people waiting for the Messiah to come that would change everything. And he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Hmm. Well, I have a story to tell you. Um, I love to fish. And one of the most beautiful places in the entire world is this eight-mile stretch of the river above Warm Springs. It is called Mecca Flats. That's all I can tell you about this place because I like to fish. I can't share my secret spots. All right, just head to Warm Springs, go north, look for water, throw your line in there. I promise that's exactly where I'm talking about here. Um, but it's, it's gorgeous. One of the most beautiful places, these majestic canyon views. Um, <clears throat> I love to fish, but here's the catch. Did you see what I did there? I'm allowed one dad joke per sermon. I've already used it, so you can hold me uh, accountable for that. Um, Here is the catch. If you want to fish at this spot, if you want to fish for steelhead, you got to wake up early. And I mean early, like at two o'clock in the morning early. And the reason is, man, you've got to, uh, and I lived in, in Redmond, we were closer there, and you'd have to get up at two, you got to get up, eat breakfast, drink a bucket full of coffee to be able to be awake at two o'clock in the morning. That's insane. 
Uh, you got to shower because it's cold. You're going to be cold all day, so you may as well start the day warm. Uh, and then you pack your gear up. You get in the car, the hour-long drive down, down to the river. Um, you get uh, your fleece on, all of your waders, your boots, your gear. You get everything tied up. You got to walk down to the river because if you don't get there early, somebody's going to be in your spot. And there's nothing worse than somebody being in your spot. So you get up early. And you go down there, and you're there hours before first light waiting to fish. And I will tell you this, there is nothing more eerie or lonely than those couple hours sitting by yourself in the dark. All you hear is the water going by and some twigs every once in a while smashing, a little creepy. Uh, And it seems like forever you wait by yourself with anticipation for what the day might be. Now, one of my favorite things is I love to be able to take a friend. Man, what is lonely by yourself? It's so fun. You take a friend and you sit there and you drink coffee and chat and you wait for dawn to be able to come. What is terrifying to do by yourself or lonely or uh, isolated to do as you by yourself, having somebody there with you changes everything. Hmm. Now, you still have to wait. Does anyone in this room like to wait? Anyone a big fan of waiting? You're, yeah, this is awesome. Uh, kids in the back, you've got Christmas coming. Maybe you made out Christmas lists. Do you like to wait for Christmas? No, that was my child. No, no, speed it up. Speed it up, Dad. Um, is that no to the end of the sermon or no to... Oh, we'll tackle that after we get done. Man, waiting is hard. Say this, maybe there's things inside of your life that you have been waiting for. I wonder if there are promises you've received from God or hopes and desires for a different life that has not come to pass. Some of you are waiting for a relationship to be restored. Maybe you're estranged from a spouse, uh, a child, a parent. You long for the day that things can be restored. Maybe... Maybe you're single and you long for a a relationship or you long for friends. Maybe you're lonely during this season and and you long for a relationship. Some of you are waiting for a breakthrough in your life. You're struggling with an addiction, a season of depression or a season of financial difficulty. You are waiting for God to do something. You are waiting. Some of you may, may be married here today and are here without your spouse. You long for them to know Jesus like you do, and, you, and you're longing for them to sit by your side and do this Christian life thing together. Some of you may be waiting for a promotion or a realization of a degree or a career change. You may live in the disappointment of the life that hasn't been that you really long for. See, Christianity doesn't give guaranteed relief for any of these things. There are times when we feel the tensions in our hearts. Things are not as they should be. Breakthrough takes longer. Deliverance takes longer. Change takes longer. So we sit in these broken places. What if the remedy wasn't in an outcome, but in a God who promises to be with us? to sit in the disappointment of our lives. He sits on the riverbank of our lives waiting for dawn to come. Hmm. 
God gives us a vision for things to be more aligned with his kingdom. That's why we do this church thing here. I want you to hear me right. We believe in the miraculous. We believe that God heals people. We believe that God restores relationships. That's why we use our hands, our feet, our voices, our money, our talent, because we believe that God is redeeming the whole world. We believe that anything can change. God's spirit comes and things are transformed. But that's not our experience all of the time. Sometimes we still deal with the waiting and the longing for something to be different. We also know that outcomes are not absolute. We can't put our hope in a perfect outcome besides the eventual return and renewal of all things. And as we move towards hope this morning, we can be guaranteed of one thing. From this platform, I want to guarantee you that you have a God that desires to be with you, to wait with you, to sit with you, even when things are not okay, because God is Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, we invite you into this time. As we come to your word, God, we, we submit to it. We submit to you. God, we all come from different experiences. Um, so Lord, we submit and ask you to transform us by your word. Speak to us. God, be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I want to give you a little roadmap for our uh, time so you know where we're, where we're going here. Our first stop is God's original uh, intent. We're going to talk about the, the beginning. We're going to talk about the book of Genesis and the Garden of e- e- Eden, how things originally were. Two, we're going to talk about sin and brokenness. And because of sin and this separation from God, this holy longing as we talk about uh, the prophet's candle, we talk about this time before Jesus where people longed for a Messiah to come. And I, 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 I would invite you to see yourself there, that there'll be some of what we talk about here that you'll be able to see inside of your own life. And three, we will talk about Emmanuel, Jesus coming. God's presence is with us as we wait for the renewal of all things. Well, in order to become familiar with God's intent here, we have to start at the start. We have to go to how did God originally design things? Uh, in the beginning, God creates the heavens and he creates the, the earth. And as beautiful and as incredible as that was, he, he wasn't done yet. He created man and he, he created woman. He creates Adam and Eve and it's beautiful. Why? Because God didn't want this just for himself but wanted to enjoy community with other people, with Adam and Eve, relationship. He, he wanted intimacy with other people. And so he created human beings. Uh, in Genesis 2.25, it says, Adam and Eve were both without clothes and not uh, ashamed. Okay, I don't know what your house is his like, but um, I've got five young kids. If we tell our kids to go put clothes on, the first thing that they ask is, who's coming over? <laughs> Because when it's just family, it's like there, there is intimacy there and we're comfortable. And that's, that's what God had cre- created here. Absolutely no shame. So this is what God had. But unfortunately, God's original intention would be interrupted. Sin entered the world. We see Eve eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and, and e- e- evil. Eve may have done it first, but Adam did it uh, after. 
It's, well, I, she did it first. Trust me, that excuse does not work for my kids. Okay, it doesn't work for you. It didn't work for him. They both suffered consequences. There was brokenness that entered into the world because of their choices. They are removed from the garden and in turn removed from intimacy with God in that same way. And man, there, there is this brokenness that still exists in some way in some of our hearts because of those choices. Sin breaks things. But I want you to hear this. Immediately after this, so they sin and God comes to them. And as God is handing out consequences, God is immediately pointing towards a solution for what is going on. He points towards a future hope. Uh, scholars call this the proto-evangelium. All right, I want you to put one pinky up. And you have to say it like this. Proto-evangelium. <laughs> So good. You guys are, are scholars. I can put that finger down. Okay. Uh, proto means first. Evangelium means gospel. So literally, this is in Genesis chapter 3. Sin enters into the world, and immediately God has a gospel hope from the start, a longing for things to be, to be different. We'll see it in uh, Genesis 3 here. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now, you may be reading that and going, that? Oh, cool. That makes no sense. Uh, that's a little weird. Well, we get the beauty of being able to look back and we also get other scriptures that help us with this. So Paul writes uh, to the church in, in Rome. He says this, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So the offspring of the woman, humans, uh, uh, well, Jesus specifically would crush the offspring of the serpent, Satan. We're, it's already pointing towards Jesus is going to crush Satan through the cross as we see through scriptures. But unfortunately, this is going to take a while. Thousands of years go by as God's people are waiting for things to be returned to the original intent of how they were designed, of intimacy with God and with each other. They were living in a broken world. Can you identify with that? Yes. yes. And so they, they, they longed for that. We're going to take a look at several of the prophets here. There are many prophecies pointing towards Jesus. But I want you to see this, and particularly, I want you to take a look at the longing of these, uh, these prophets' heart, the longing of God's people. I would bet you're going to find yourself there, of longing for there to be a true ruler, somebody truthful and righteousness and the end of sorrow. You're going to see yourself here. Um, let's go through a few here. The first one is, is in 2 Samuel. It says this. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your, your offspring after you. He shall come forth from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. We see through the gospels that, that Jesus descended from the line of David that Jesus would come through the heritage, the line of David, and his throne would be established forever. Here is the interesting thing about kings. I don't know if you know this. They only rule when they're alive. When they die, 
so does their kingdom. That makes sense, right? Well, Jesus, who is resurrected, Jesus, the eternal king, would reign forever. It would last forever. That's Jesus, the cosmic king. Uh, Jeremiah prophesied this. Then I, will, I myself will, will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them. And I will bring them back to their fold and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them. And they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Once again, through the line of David would come the righteous king. Hear this, no more dismay, no more fear. No one would be missing. Everybody would be seen. Jesus who left the 99 to find the one. Hello, this is exactly what we're talking about here. Jesus would be the fulfillment of this prophecy. Do you see yourself here? No more fear. Daniel prophesied, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that, that shall never be destroyed, nor shall his kingdom be left to another people. It shall crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. It shall stand forever. Hmm. All kingdoms end. There's a reason why we don't worship in Rome right now. We don't all wear the pointy, I don't know, like a Roman centurion hat. I don't know if that's what the Roman people wore. It feels right, okay? But all, I mean, Rome, as powerful as it was, crumbled. Greece crumbled. Eventually, our kingdom here will crumble at the feet of the kingdom of Jesus. That's it. It's the eternal kingdom. This is what it's prophesying towards of something. Do you see the longings of the prophets here? Other scripture points towards a day of no more fear, no more pain, no more suffering. All of these things are the longings of the hearts of the prophets. Do you see yourself there? Do you have unresolved conflict of pain, relationships inside of your life and you're longing for God to do something? If so, you're meeting in the heavenly chorus of the prophets longing for something to be different. Hmm. And that brings us to this, uh, Emmanuel, God's presence with us. We lit this candle here uh, and read this scripture, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son, shall name him Emmanuel. The gospel writer Matthew gives us an insight of what this is, Emmanuel, God with us. That God would not abandon his people, but yet would be there for his people. You would not feel alone, left out, lost. But like a good shepherd, he would come, Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God's presence, is with us as we wait for the renewal of all things. We see this as Jesus. As Paul talks to the church in Corinth, he says this, For all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to, the, to God for his glory. Jesus is the fulfillment, the longing of all of these prophecies. 
Not just these, but so many more. Jesus was born and ministered to a broken world with spiritual authority. Jesus said regularly, the kingdom of God is at hand. The thing you have been longing for, it's right in front of your eyes right now. Jesus came. He rescued people. He saw the broken. He healed the sick. The blind were able to see. The lost were found. Jesus' ministry was here. The Messiah had come. And as prophesied and taught by Jesus, things did not go well for him on earth. This is not like, oh man, we need a plan B because Jesus died. This was a part of prophecy too. He was crucified by Rome in conjunction with the religious leaders. Three days later, Jesus was resurrected. After spending some time with the disciples and appearing before lots of people, he appeared to so many people after he was resurrected. Uh, Before he ascended back to heaven, he said this. These were his final words to the disciples. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You may have heard these words. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. Now, you, you may have heard that part. And we kind of throw this last part on as like a tag. It kind of feels like that of like, oh yeah, and by, by the way, I'm, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But I'm telling you, as we enter into this Advent season, these are one of the most powerful words in the Holy Scriptures. Jesus' promise to the disciples and subsequently to us is the remedy to the longings of the prophets and the longings of our own heart. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I want you to notice something here. Before the prophets were talking about a day would come, The young woman shall bear a child and she shall name him Emmanuel. Listen to it. I am with you. This is present tense. This is not some far off hope, but the days we're living in now through the Holy Spirit, we have God's presence with us, waiting on the riverbanks of our life. Even when things are good, when they're bad, when our longings are fulfilled, and when they seem hopeless. This is what Jesus comes I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hmm. One of my favorite authors and examples of faith, his uh, name is Henry Nouwen. Um, He's written so many books. He he was a Catholic priest. Um, He he studied psychology, uh, um, studied and taught at Yale, Notre Dame, uh, Harvard. This is the guy who your pastors or your favorite podcasters or, or teachers, they go to this guy to get biblical insight. Like, if anybody understand the human mind and, and the intersection of how that works with spirituality and what it means to have Christian faith in a broken world, it is this man, Henry Nouwen. Incredible mind. Wrote over 40 bucks, books, still changing lives, still changing pastors' lives. But hear this. He also suffered from crippling oppression, clinical depression. For years, loneliness, just, it, he, he would write in his personal journals of, of how it just felt like it was poised to swallow him whole. 
many years spent longing for relationship with other human beings. Lonely, isolated, longing. This man who understood the mind, psychology, and understood what a relationship with, with Jesus also had longings that weren't fulfilled here on earth and had to wrestle with that. He had a nervous breakdown in his 40s that he struggled for years to, to be able to recover from. I want you to hear his, his words. This is what he wrote in, in the midst of all of that. While optimism makes us live as if someday soon things will soon get better for us, hope frees us from the need to predict the future and allows us to live in the present with the deep trust that God will never leave us alone, but will fulfill the deepest desires of your own heart. Joy in this perspective is the fruit of hope. Hope is not a preferred future, but a present reality. Emmanuel, God has, God has come. For Henry now, and in the midst of his depression, in the midst of things not being as it should, as he was feeling inside of his life, he learned the profound truth that God was with him and would never leave him. Now, I can't offer many guarantees from this platform, but maybe inside of your life, those longings feel like they want to swallow you up whole. Maybe there's, there's undone things inside of your life. Maybe, maybe you're sitting on the riverbank of your life just waiting for morning to come and feel like, it's, feel like it's Groundhog's Day, like it never just quite gets there. Man, my prayer for you is that you would discover what now and found in the midst of his heartache. It's that the most profound truth of the gospel, one of the most freeing aspects of the gospel is that God will never leave. Maybe you have experiences inside of your life of those people that will walk out when things get too hard, when you're too much, when your emotions are too high, when you can't deal, things are not okay. Other people have abandoned you, but I want you to know, friends, that God will never leave you. That's the promise of what this Advent candle burning is. That's why we come to these moments. In a broken world that severs ties when people disagree, that sever ties because you don't think like them, you don't vote like them, you don't pray like them. I want you to know the disappointment in this world that has created a longing inside of your heart, that is, that is there for Jesus to be able to meet. That's why Jesus has come. That's the profound nature of this Advent candle is that God will never leave you, never forsake you, as Scripture says. We see... God is no longer a prophecy to be interpreted, but a son to be worshipped. Emmanuel, God with us. This is the invitation of Advent. It's much more comfortable to deal with the idea of Jesus as a, a theology or, heaven forbid, a mascot for our faith. God is not a mascot, and he's certainly more than a theology. God invades the kingdoms of this world and the hearts of women and men in real time in order to fulfill what God has planned. God will fulfill and renew all things. We know that. We believe that, 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 that this is this Adventist posture, that, that God is renewing a broken world. But he also sits with us on the riverbanks of our lives as we mourn the things that are 
undone, the bows that are not tied. He sits with us and waits with us because he's good. So friends, are you waiting? Do you think about your own life and maybe even some of the things I've spoken have started to kind of percolate? Just some things that you've tried to stuff down. Advent is an invitation to let it come forward. Are you waiting? Are you longing? Are you desiring for something more? I can't guarantee an outcome. I can't. But I can guarantee that Jesus wants to be with you while you wait. The God of creation, the God of the universe longs to be with you. Like an intimate friend, God is with us along the riverbanks of our lives and waits with us for morning to come. He's, he is with us. Well, I have a few points of uh, application for you. I mean, our goal is like, is not just a good sermon. This is not like a motivating thing of like, okay, yes, let's go do it. But it's designed. How do we get it into our bones? How do we, how do we live in the reality of God's truth? And so I have three points of uh, application for you. The first is pray the Psalms. God has put this prayer book in the middle of the Bible. The Psalter provides instructions for how to do this, how to combine hope with the reality of a broken world, right? I don't know if you've tried to do that, but that's really challenging. The Psalter helps us. Um, uh, The Psalter understands how to wait. So I want to invite you, pray through the Psalms. We have uh, have devotions written for you, nhgroups.org. They're there every week as we are praying and learning how to pray. uh, We use the Psalms for that. Two, be vulnerable. Part of how we experience God with us is by is through the presence of other people. And uh, I, I invite you, share your story with someone else this week. It's really easy. We have a tendency to talk about the good things God has done, like the things the bow has already tied. Like, oh man, it was so cool this happened, and then, and then I got my life together here, and now I'm all, oh, all better. It's all good. We're really good at sharing those stories. Man, but sometimes, I don't, I don't know if you have undone things in your life. Things that maybe don't have the bow quite tied yet. Those are the things we tend to gloss over and we don't want to share those parts of our lives. I want to encourage you, find a friend for coffee, find a friend for dinner, and just share it. And if this is new f- for you, um, it could feel awkward, it could feel weird. If you've never shared something that deep or that personal, of, of course, it, it, it would feel a little weird. I want to invite you into that and share. You'll, you will sense God's presence through that. Three, join us for Advent and Christmas and Christmas Eve. Join us on these Sunday mornings as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. Join us for this. Uh, our, our, our world does a really good job of, at, at telling us what Christmas is. It's peppermint mochas, and it's going shopping, and it's, I don't know why I get all sassy right now, but um, it's, it's holiday blankets and fu- fuzzy things and lights and presents. Yeah, Maybe that's part of it, your, uh, our ex- experience in this world. But Advent, as we go through this, we're being called back into a re-understanding of what Christmas, what Advent really is. So I would invite you, mark these on your calendar. Make it a pri- 
priority as we get ready for Christmas Eve, uh, as we are reoriented towards the reality of God dwelling with his people. So I want to ask you this. What would it look like if, if, uh, if you weren't beholden to an outcome or a circumstance, rather you had the emotional and spiritual dexterity found by a God who will never leave you, who is always with you? What if Jesus being with you, loving you, empowering you was enough? I believe God is creating a resilient group of people that don't have to have the bow tied. We don't have to have our own way all the time. We look forward with hope and anticipation for what God might do, but we also are people that are strengthened to live through the now, the difficult, the gritty, and the hard because God is with us. And that's the beauty of what communion is. We're going to be uh, partaking of of communion here. This is one of the most beautiful things uh, about this is that you're going to have a chance to come forward here. Pastor Isaac will be on this side. I will be here. Uh, uh, You'll be able to come down here. All can come. We have an open table here. So if, if you want to participate in this way, we invite you to that. And here's the beautiful thing, is communion isn't just something you do by yourself. It's not just something that you crack open and it's, it's an experience just for you, but you're doing it with other people in the room here. That you have your brothers and sisters in Christ who are with you that you may not even know. And then, as we do this, there are millions of Christians across the world doing this very same thing in churches, in cathedrals, in homes, on the street, houses, that God's people are gathered around the communion table together as a representation that God is with us. Scripture says where two or three are gathered, there he will be also. So man, we have this beautiful opportunity each week as we do this um, to be reminded that God is with us. Uh, I'm gonna invite you to stand. We're gonna read a short prayer. Scripture invites us to examine ourselves that there, uh, the communion table forces us to reorient our lives towards the ultimate truth of God. And we all need that every single week. So let's read this prayer out loud, uh, all together here. Ready, set, go. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I admit that I have been wrong in thought, in motive, and in action. It is only by your grace that I can be freed from my guilty conscience. Please forgive me. Help me to live purely today. Thank you, and amen. We're going to be uh, up here. We'll uh, invite you to come and be blessed knowing that God is with you.